Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. It's Monday. I'm Chris Graham. We're going to talk UVA and ACC sports with our good friend and colleague, Scott German. And um, Scott and I had the mispleasure of having to sit beside each other for a few hours on Saturday, taking in yet another woeful performance by the UVA football team and honestly the coaching staff in a 34-17 loss for the Hoos to Louisville, a depleted Louisville team that came in without their starting quarterback, their top two rushers, their leading tackler. The coach is about to get fired, and they boat race Virginia. Uh, and after Virginia had a 10-0 lead, Scott, um, I, I would, I'm, I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts? And uh, I know what they are, and um, it's okay if you, if you get colorful. <laughs> Chris, I, I've covered, you know, been in that press box for, I think I said to you Saturday, probably for a long time uh, without dating myself. And I can't plus, remember. I'll, I'll date you 40, 40 some years. Yeah. And, and I don't remember. Um, there may have been a couple and I just forgot, but I don't remember a lot of uh, Saturdays in which I felt more, um, disgusted and dejected embarrassed well, uh, and, and, I'll, and maybe even hopeless because I didn't see anything to get excited about Saturday and that that was that was I think the worst part of the whole thing is there was no there's nothing to get excited about about this program right now and and I wanted to you, you talked about being in the press box for 40 plus years but even as a kid growing up you were a close observer of UVA athletics, football, basketball. Um, we have, this is a, it felt like, a, and I wasn't cognizant of the seventies. I was only seven years old in 1979. So I can't say that I was watching sports critically in the seventies, but from my knowledge of UVA history that's come since then, this is feeling like the seventies um, UVA, you know, this is feeling like the Sonny Randall era or the Dick Bestwick era of UVA football, just from the standpoint of, boy, you know, they're, they're losing games. There's no hope. And when you look into the future, you see no hope. Uh, I, I agree 100%. And here's the thing. I don't know if this would be like deja vu or Zogi Bear would say deja vu all over again, because in the seventies, and I used to go to the games in the seventies, um, used to sell uh, programs there as a, as a junior in high school or, and we would be given a stack of 150, 200 game programs. And after about 20 minutes, you realize it was useless and just throw them in a trash can. <laughs> um, but in the seventies, now looking back and I didn't know this at the time, but looking back, uh, we were, it was bad football and I'm talking really bad. Like I four straight games of surrendering 60 or more points during the sunny rare, uh, sunny Randall, uh, error that lasted all of two years. Um, but th looking back now and knowing now what I did not know there, they weren't trying to win. They really didn't care. And it almost feels like, are we trying now? Are we, are we really trying to win? Because if you look around at Scott stadium, uh, it is a morgue on Saturdays and it doesn't seem like anyone uh, in, in the administration is really doing anything about it except every three or four years um, going through a coaching change and bringing in a coach and paying outlandish amounts of money, hoping that maybe something different will happen. Uh, so the difference now is I didn't know it at the time, but in the seventies, there really wasn't Virginia really didn't try to win football games. 
Now, so since we're both on the same page on this, it's boring radio, as the old saying goes, if everybody agrees all the time. So I'll, I'll force myself to be devil's advocate um, and uh, argue their points of, of the, the, <laughs> the handful of supporters who are still out there. And there's some guys on, you know, um, on, on social media who will throw some thoughts up there and say, give the guy time. All right. So first argument is um, – the team was six and six last year. I've seen this by several people. Two, the, two field goals away from being four and eight. Two missed field goals away from being four and eight. Um, what do you say to that, Scott? Last year? Yeah, last year's team was two missed field goals, according to some folks, from being four and eight. Um, I say we were still six and six, and and we had a very talent. We had a group of players. Uh, offensively that were that were very talented and they're still there um what what what's different this year yeah and i would say too there were a couple of games that virginia lost that could have been wins that could have been <laughs> wins absolutely it so been I say, yeah. It, was it jim Par- uh, uh, um, um parcells that uh, that said you are what your record says you are was it, I believe it was yeah. Parcells. Bill Parcells, yeah. Bill Parcells um, is your record art. Yeah, yeah. So so we were six and six last year. I'm sorry for the disruption, but there was a squirrel that went by or a leaf fell off a tree or something. <laughs> um, and my dogs have to let me know about it. So you, we were six and six. We were 500 team last year. And if you look at it, we were 500 team because we were very good offensively. And defensively, we were one of the worst in the country. So the two balanced out. We were six and six. And my answer would be, I guess – um, thinking through, if um, if I'm Carla Williams last December, and, and, and let's say Bronco Mendenhall doesn't tell her the week after the Virginia Tech loss, hey, I'm leaving. He doesn't. If he doesn't tell her that, I'm if I'm Carla, I probably want to sit down. I'm the football AD. That's her. That was her reputation when she was hired. So I'm the football AD. I might sit down with him and say, you know, those co-defensive coordinators you got need to go. Nick Howell and Kelly Poppinga, uh, they haven't gotten the job done. Uh, they had great defenses in 2018 and 2019. They didn't recruit those players. Um, the players they recruited to fit your style of defense, the 3-3-5, are not working out with these guys as the coaches. So I would say um, keep the offensive coordinator, keep the quarterback's coach, keep all your offensive staff. Don't make a single change over there. But if I were you, Bronco, and, and in fact, I'm not advising you to do this. I'm telling you to do this. Hire a, a new defensive coordinator and, and get somebody in there that can 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 right that ship. And if that happens, then you know this team might might have been the ACC coastal favorite this year. So I, I'm with you, Scott. I don't take the we were two missed field goals away from four and eight argument too lightly. Bronco didn't get fired. Bronco retired. Um, and he didn't leave the cupboard bare. He left a lot of players uh, for um, Tony Yelly to be able to work with. He did, and, and and he's not. He did, meaning Bronco did leave the cupboard pretty full offensively, and he's not, meaning Tony's not – Coach Elliott's not figuring out really how to, how to use him, at least in our view. Uh, but, you know, they, going back to that conversation that, did or did not take place or what took place or how it, how it went down between Carla Williams, the AD and coach Mendenhall. Maybe that was the problem, Chris, just listening to you say it. Maybe she left. She, she painted coach Mendenhall in a corner in that she asked him, 
to make changes offensively and defensively. I don't know. I don't even know if she made him, if she would have asked to make offensively defensively, we know that, that there needed to be changes. Um, maybe that conversation would have, should have been, they are, they need to be gone. Yeah. And if he went to those, to those coaches and said, basically, I have no choice, then it may have made it easy. Cause we know they were very good friends. They've been with one another for a long time, a decade or more. Um, maybe if she gave him, maybe that was the problem. She didn't give him an ultimatum. She just basically put the, put the ball in his court and he could not do it. So he resigned. So effectively he lost everyone their job. Well, ultimately we don't know what conversation did or didn't happen there. Uh, as far as that goes, all we know is if, uh, what we know on the record is that Bronco told her he wanted to step down. Um, so I don't want to throw in there that she told him something different than what, you know, cause we don't know. We don't know. But if, if I'm just saying, if I was, in her shoes, I would have said change guys, change defensive coordinators, and that's all they needed to change. And this year's team would have probably been the ACC coastal favorite, uh, if not the, the second favorite behind Miami. And Miami's not playing well right now um, with everybody they got back. So, um, also, well, when we I mean, went to Charlotte, Chris, back in July. I mean, I don't know where the actual voting to, had had UVA, but we saw, we saw all. I mean, we both sat through all the coaches. And we, we came away thinking, you know, Virginia should be in great shape in the division. You know, they should – I don't think either of us or anyone thought Virginia was going to be embarrassingly dead last in this Georgia coastal. Tech was unanimously dead last as far as that goes. And right. Duke would have been second to dead last. I mean, Duke's actually got four wins this year. So, yeah. Um, to be fair, uh, there are people who are pointing out, which is obvious that the offensive line didn't come back. But on the flip side of that, I'll answer this one real quick. Um, those guys hadn't left until Tony Elliott got the job, and he's even admitted that he did a poor job by not re-recruiting those guys. Olu Oluwatimi, who went to Michigan, was at Tony Elliott's introductory press conference. We both spoke with him that day. Um, he was still he was still non-committal as far as his future at that time. Um, so Tony didn't in, Tony didn't inherit an offensive line that had all left. He inherited an offensive line that was intact with guys who were looking to maybe leave. And he didn't talk him into staying. So that's not on Bronco. That's not on Robert and I, like some people are putting it. That's on Tony. Yeah. He, uh, you know, you have to recruit your own team with in this day and age with the transfer portal and automatic eligibility. You better be able to recruit your own players first. And every year, he, not just when they're in a transfer portal, before they get there. Before they get there. And so since that, uh, the recruiting has been dreadful so maybe that was a precursor of things to come um so i i had a conversation with someone about about what tony's trying to do at virginia and he made a comment comment or question a question and, and that i i kind of wonder well wonder why i can't either but the, we know that tony's coach elliott's um his his mantra has been I'm building a future. I'm building a culture. I'm building a program, right? Yeah. Well, and and I guess between the lines, I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to scrap everything that we were doing successfully to build a program. Why can't he do both at the same time? Yeah, I've, I've pointed to when – when I've heard that argument, I've, I've pointed to um, Bronco Mendenhall's first two years uh, – at Virginia now, of course, two and ten first year, but six and seven second year, they got they snuck their way into a bowl, and you know Robert and I uh, doesn't uh, his quarterback 
let's say, what would we say, quarterback prototype is more like Bryce Perkins. It's also like Taysom Hill, the NFL uh, ultimate slash guy right now. You saw him yesterday catch a couple touchdown passes, also throw a touchdown pass and for the New Orleans Saints, recover a fumble on special teams. I mean, a guy who does everything. Um, but that guy wasn't available. Uh, uh, Bronco didn't inherit, uh, you know, t- uh, Taysom Hill. He didn't inherit uh, uh, Bryce Perkins. He had to go find guys like that. So he got, but he found Kurt Binkert. Now, Kurt Binkert is not the, the runaround athletic guy. He's, he's a drop back passer. He's in the NFL. He's been in the NFL for several years since leaving UVA, since, since uh, he was already a graduate of ECU. He got a couple graduate degrees at UVA, I believe. But since, it, since his eligibility is up at UVA, he's been in the NFL. So he's got NFL talent, but he wasn't the prototype quarterback for Robert and I in his system. But they tailored the system to him for two years. And, exactly. and they eventually got into a bowl game in his second year by not, by not saying, you need to fit into our system. We're going to fit our system around you. And then they got Bryce Perkins, and they ran the offense the way that Robert and I wanted to run it. They, got, they were able to develop Brennan Armstrong to run the offense the way they wanted. So, yeah, you can do both. I mean, you can say – uh, if you're Tony Elliott and if you're Des Kitchings, we want to have a more Clemson-like system where we have a you know a drop-back quarterback and we run you know run the ball well and we run stretch plays and uh, we run all play action off that and 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 do all those things that we do. But in the meantime, until we get those athletes, let's let's be successful until we get there because success is going to lure prep recruits. It's going to lure guys off the transfer portal that you can eventually turn into the guys you want to to. To, to win with, you know, the kind of players you want to win with in terms of the style of play, not just the kind of people they are, but the, the style of play. But, you know, instead he chose to just completely overhaul everything, you know, and there's the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, the defense was broken, so they needed to fix that. The offense wasn't broken, and they fixed that too. Unfortunately, it went in the wrong direction. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, going back to – to the early, the first two years of, of Coach Mendenhall's uh, tenure at UVA, and we were on the side, we were there for just about all of it. Two and ten the first year, six and six the second year that ended in a bowl game that we both know all too much about uh, in the military bowl, correct? It was four degrees that day. And, and, and we, we were, were in a press bowl. box, and, and, and it was so cold that you had to – squeegee the window between every play well because the 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 heater broke in this great bowl games press box and it was in the 50s in the press box (laughs) that's the kind of bowl game you you don't go north for a bowl and and you don't go to a bowl where they you know feed you hot uh, the hot dogs and pizza out of the out of the concession stands and and don't have the heat turned on so yeah and we got what uh uh blasted by navy 48 to 7 49 well virginia scored virginia returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown and that was it 49 7 final uh navy <laughs> with the win that navy's still running the triple option in that game on us it feels like yeah i, I, I don't doubt that and the other thing about that first two you, coach mendenhall went out and got benkert he did not have the luxury the the, the transfer pool when Coach Mendenhall first got to Virginia, wasn't the entire country. It was players that had eligibility after they had either set out a year or graduated, correct? Uh, well, uh, Bryce Perkins was a JUCO transfer, and Kurt Binker had graduated in three years from ECU. They were very rare guys. Uh, yeah, right. otherwise you'd have to yeah, you'd have to find somebody else uh, who'd been sitting for a year. That was a different time. In, even though it was only a few years ago, it was a different time and age in, in college football. 
it, it seems like it was whack when we were playing with the old pigskin helmets and leather helmet. helmets. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so you have to, you know, again, another, we have to tip our hat to, to what Mendenhall did, but you're exactly right. He, he built the team around the players that he had. And I don't understand why we are not doing that now. It's to me, it's just an injustice to the current players because these guys, the ones that we are talking about, the talented receivers and of course Armstrong, they all had pro aspirations. And I wonder how many of them would have stuck around if they'd known, okay, what you've done for four years, three years, uh, throw it out the window because we're going to do something completely different. And and you're not going to – well, and, you know, I, I bring this up a lot too to those uh, people who are critical of the critics like us. Um, if you're – if you're just specific to the offense, the defense is playing well. They didn't play so well against Louisville, but then again, they're on the field an awful lot. Uh, Louisville had 35 minutes time of possession in that game. So if you're on the field that much, you're going to eventually um, – You're you know, going to break. a lot of yards. But – if you're if you're Tony Elliott and Des Kitchings, okay, so you you got hired. He got Tony got hired in December, and he hired Kitchings, I think, early January. You know, the first couple of months, obviously, you, you're not doing many camps or anything like that. You're you're acquainting with play, acquainting yourselves with players. You're studying film. You're also recruiting. Um, you know, you're probably sitting in an office with with guys like Brennan Armstrong and going over film of the kind of offense you want to play at UVA and trying to teach him the terminology and things like that. Then you got spring practice. You have 15 spring practice sessions in 29 days. Okay, so I can see where, okay, well, they're changing the offense completely. They're changing everything these guys do. The, the Have a quarterback drops back, how he steps off his foot when he throws, the receivers, how they come out of breaks, all this stuff. It's changing. Um, so in 15 practices, that's not going to become a, a well-oiled machine. Um, but even then, you know, you have to still make some analysis, you know, you, you, you record those practices. You have to be, if you're Des and if you're Tony, you're looking back at that and saying, all right, they didn't get this, you know? And so then you get into the start of practice and training camp in late July. First week, you look at it and say, man, uh, they're still not getting it. <laughs> we're, we're a few months away from spring practice and they're still not, they're still not running. You know, second week, same thing. Third week, same thing. At some point you say, damn, are they going to, are we going to just keep doing this over and over and hope they get it? Or, or can we maybe do some things, maybe some, some parts of the scheme that they inherited from, from Robert and I, the guys inherited from Robert and I, Marcus Higgins is on the staff. Marcus Higgins could easily sit in a room with, with Des Kitching and Tony Elliott and in a few hours, give him some plays that, that worked well last year for the UV offense that may be able to be integrated into what, Tony Elliott and Des Kitchings want to do. Instead, they looked at an offense that was not clicking in practice and just threw it out there and thought it might get better. That's pretty much the answer here. And six weeks later, it's still not better. How bad did it have to be, Scott, in the spring and in training camp on July and August for it to be where it is now six weeks into the season and still be this bad? So, no, I can't – I cannot th- – I mean, if you're – if you're professor of uh, in, a, in, a, in a in the college and your kids aren't to that level you change the curriculum or you fail everybody at this point they have to fail everybody and i think when you have when a, a professor who has to fail everybody probably has to fail himself too yeah it had to be pretty bad if it's if, if what we're seeing now is an improvement over what happened in the spring 
or what took place in preseason. Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, and if if it if it if it if it was that bad, then to me, you just got to realize that hey, what I'm what I'm trying to do is not going to work. I gotta I gotta go back and I maybe trying maybe he's trying to reinvent the wheel, whatever. But uh, now this year was not the year to do it. Uh, if it if it wasn't working in spring. If it wasn't working in the preseason, I can't imagine how bad it looked then. Because now the problem is for this program. Of course, two and four by week this week. I got to mention that the 34 17 loss to Louisville leads into a bye week. Virginia next plays next Thursday, the 20th, at Georgia Tech, which is <laughs> you've got two straight wins in the ACC since firing their coach. Um, and they're going to be favored by probably at least a touchdown in that game at home in Atlanta. Um, but. Um, you know, the way it looks now, Virginia is not going to be favored in any of its games coming up the rest of the season. I mean, you know, the four home games, you got Miami, Pitt, Carolina, Coastal Carolina. They're going to be uh, dogs there. They're going to be dogs on the road at the two techs. They could very, I mean, that's what that suggests to you is they could very easily be two and 10 at the end of the season with a quarterback who threw for 4,449 yards and 31 touchdowns last year coming back. I know Tony Elliott doesn't like hearing about last year, but last year those were the numbers. Um, and uh, he's not going to be back next year. He, he, he will have exhausted his eligibility. Also having exhausted eligibility will be Keaton Thompson. Um, you have to presume, we're certainly hearing, I'm hearing that there's talk that there's going to be, it's not hard to imagine why, but a mass exodus of players, to the transfer portal is the, the second the season ends uh, down in Blacksburg in, in late November. And so um, you're starting over from at, at least this year, he had something to build off of next year. I mean, Jay Wolfolk is the, is the number two quarterback on the roster now, but Wolfolk's career is in football, 95 matter fastball and plus slider. I don't know if he's going to throw his arm out uh, playing one year of football because after, after uh, the next football season, is his third year of college baseball. He's draft eligible after that in college baseball, and he's getting drafted. He's going to be a first or second round pick. Um, smart money says he ain't playing football next year. So you got to go find a transfer portal quarterback, probably two of them, maybe three of them. So you have a quarterback room. Um, the, the recruiting of, of prep guys currently ranks 13th out of 14 teams in the ACC, uh, right around 68 right now nationally. There's not going to be any help coming next year from the prep ranks. We're going to be two and ten this year. Two and ten next year might be a wish. We might look up to two and ten next year. You got two of those years back to back. What's year three going to be? I mean, so it doesn't take much to figure here, Scott. That the wheels are are not about to come off. I think they've already come off. Yeah, I. We could be in the midst of a long losing streak because, as you said, we're going to be the underdog in the rest of the games this season. And then next year with a mass exodus of players that either exhausted eligibility or decided to move on, um, it's not looking real good. And I don't know if there's a fix right now. Uh, I'm trying to think of it, and it would maybe be in the portal. But the problem with the portal, Chris, and you know, you went to UVA, is not all the pool, the, the pool of players that's going to be in the transfer portal. That's a lot of peas. Um, yeah. They're not all UVA caliber players. Right. Uh, that's not UVA pool. caliber students, which is important. Students, students yeah. excuse me. They're all probably UVA caliber players. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
uh, but but academically. And so that that pool is for some teams that pool is full of players. We're probably down at the shallow end of that pool recruiting or trying to get players to come. We may even be over in the kids little 999 Walmart plastic pool looking for players. So the transfer portal, everybody says, oh, he's going to be hot. It's going to be uh, a real critical tool for Coach Elliott during the offseason. I don't know where that's where that thought process is coming from because um, we, you know, there's, like I said, not every player that's going to be in that portal uh, is going to be UVA academically eligible. You know, you, as I said, you went there, you know, that not all the credits are going to transfer. Some of the kids may not be just may not be uh, a, a match. So I, I, I think the, the the hope is is that maybe the numbers I could uh, recruiting are down because we maybe because of the overall number of recruits that we've got committed maybe as we move forward that might we might get a little bit of an uptick but certainly not enough to put us in the top four or five in the conference. Oh well, and and to that that's another thing you hear from some of the um, supporters or the critics of the critics again. All right, so let me pull this up here, 24-7 sports. Um, Virginia, let me just make sure the update is, yeah, still uh, 12 commitments. Uh, the average commit is ranks on, on the 24-7 scale of, at 85.38. Um, that itself ranks, let's see, that itself ranks, 13th in the ACC. So it's not the number of commits. It's the, it's, it's, and, and so for those who want to say, well, well, you know, coach Ellie can go out and recruit the heck out of the portal. He's, he's had um, nine months to recruit the heck out of Virginia and the Southeast and the nation for preps. And we're 13th in the ACC out of 14. He had all spring to try to get some guys in here to replace the guys that left last year, particularly in the offensive line. We got one guy from Georgetown, right? Um, so that's and he and he had those guys that were here last year before the offensive line guys who were here last year that had to physically leave and he didn't re-recruit those guys. So I mean at this stage hanging your hopes on recruiting is is not very bright because I mean you know I want to think he'll recruit great but you know I want to think a lot of things and what I think right now you you have to base your thoughts on something tangible and that what we got tangible is 13th in the ACC in recruiting for the class of 2023 and nothing of consequence from the portal last year to get us to where we are now. So if that's what you're hanging your hopes on, you're hanging your hopes on a really, really thin piece of thread. Scott, you're muted. What else do you hang your hopes on, Chris? What else do you hang your hopes on? Um, and, and that's that's the problem at this stage. I mean, you know, uh, uh, there are folks who want to say, well, we're investing all this money in football. And I think that that can actually be a negative for Tony Elliott specifically, um, because, yeah, we are investing 80 million dollars in that football ops center. And it's our the construction on that is already underway. And when you see the plans for it, it's going to be nice and it's going to be a recruiting tool. But it does not open until the spring of 2024 if, if things stay on schedule, which, you know, let's hope they do. That means the football team moves in that summer and then 
you know, the 2024 season, but that you can't recruit to something that's being built. You have to recruit, you know, you, it becomes a tool when it's actually built, when it's actually open, when you can actually have kids touring it. And so that's not going to have an impact on the field. So what, 2026, 2027, when the first class that goes through there uh, is, is redshirt sophomores and maybe juniors. I mean, you can, you can tell me that, Oh, well, the fact that it's coming online is going to be enough, but you know, if I'm a high school junior right now, um, you know, I'm a senior next year, and in 2024, maybe I get to go in that building. May, if construction stays on track, um, I've been shown plans, but I've also gone to other schools that already have those buildings open, and I don't have to think about what it might be. I can see what it already is there, and so I think it's it's going to be something that kind of like JPJ. Until JPJ opened, Virginia had a recruiting disadvantage in men's basketball. Um, and the first coach that coached men's basketball on JPJ was Dave Lato. First year in JPJ wins ACC coach of the year. Two years later, after a 17 and 16 season and then a 10 and 18 season, he's fired. And the reason for that is he's losing games. And we spent a lot of money to build this, this brand new stadium with all the bells and whistles, state of the art, everything else. And so that money can actually be a drawback for the guy who inherits the, 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 the facility built by the money if they don't win, fair or not. Uh, Tony Elliott, if he has two or three losing seasons, I don't know that he survives that. And and then I don't want that because what that means for UVA football is we have another new coach either in 2025 or in 2026. And then that guy comes in and says, I got to get my guys in here. And it's 2028 or 2029 before we're back to even like seven and five level. And it's 2022. And that's a long ways off. So um, I am not wishing this on Tony Elliott, but what I'm telling you is I'm seeing it. And it's, this is, I can't unsee that this is the way it's going to be. And, I, and I'm still waiting for the person who can disabuse me of that notion. I don't think there, there, there is anyone that can um, do that because as we, as we have speculated, there's there's two well let me back up a couple couple of sec um sentences maybe so the so we talked about the the arms race that is college football so by the time our facility opens and it's going to be a nice facility but by the time our facility does open in 2024 um it's not going to be as nice as it is right now, because there's going to be newer facilities that are being built as we speak that are going to open. Clemson's going to have a new something else in the works. So it's always a nuclear arms race that, that Virginia is not probably ever going to win. We're always 20 years behind catching up. By the time we catch up, the, next, the other groups are already starting their next one. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always. And, and here's the scary thing. And, and I know this is probably going to be a lot of people aren't going to agree with this, but Tony, Elliot's fate may have already been determined because of what we just talked about two or three minutes ago, where is this going to, or how is this going to miraculously get turned around uh, with the current recruiting class coming in and the, the, the uncertainty of being able to, to work the transfer portal the way we're going to have to work it. We're going to lose the transfer portal this year. Yeah, we're going to lose, lose that. So where where is this? Back. How is it going to get turned around? Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. how do the, how do the results on the field get turned around if you're already playing poorly and then you lose talent 
uh, net talent um, year over year? So I'm glad you asked that. So here's how I could. Not that it will, and not that I'm positive, that, uh, optimistic that it will, but we're halfway through the season, two and four. And what we thought most people would agree was the softer part of the schedule, correct? No doubt, no doubt, yeah. The rest of the way, especially with Georgia Tech playing better now, that was the only soft, quote-unquote, soft game on the schedule we, we thought going into the season in the second half of the season, and they're on a two-game winning streak right now, and they're going to pace us the way things are going right now. The way, the way things are going. But if you look at the – we do have six games left. Um, yeah, there's some teams playing pretty well, but only one is that I really think is, is, a, is a team that's not a house of cards, and that's Carolina. Uh-huh. There are games out there that if Tony and staff uses this bye week and figures out a way to go back to what was working last year offensively, and we somehow or another turn things around and beat Georgia Tech, which is not out of the question. I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, they fired their head coach for a reason, and their two wins were over. Duke and Pitt, Pitt which with winning records with winning records. I know that, um, but there are wins that if we figure out a way to go back to what was working, I guess what I'm saying is the only path I see of turning this around is to go out and finish like gangbusters four and two, five and one. It, it, it go if you're six and six at the end of this after this start, but here's the problem with that, Scott. If you're um, six and six, that's pretty good considering where no, we are. No, right. considering, considering. But here's the problem with that. If you say the two words last and year back to back in Tony Elliott's presence, he goes off on you. Whether you're a reporter, a player, I'm sure donors. I mean, he, he did it the other day in the press conference. The words last year came up in a press in the press conference, and he had a long dissertation, a big old word salad out of that, because this ain't last year. He's been saying that for weeks now. This is not last year. He he's backed himself into a corner now. He can't go back to he 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 can't run scheme the scheme of last year or even plays from last year without without sticking his foot in his mouth. So he's backed himself into a corner which he did not need to back himself into. He right. didn't need to be defensive about that, but he is. And so no, I, I agree with you. If they can okay, let's take out the last year part out of the equation. If they can figure this out, they got a week and a half to figure this out. If they can use the talent they had last year on offense. <laughs> how about, how about we say if they can play to the strengths of their personnel? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and not, and not uh, bench guys for personal fouls. Uh, he benched Aaron foul Mui for, for having three penalties this year. And the guy started on his place. Ben Smiley had three, 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 the same three penalties this year. I mean, and then and then Smiley had a a fifteen yarder in the game Saturday. Um, how about let me just be this guy? How about he 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 benches his offensive coordinator for a half? Uh, Scott, you and I were in the press box. I wrote a column about this this afternoon. Um, we were in the press box. Okay, so it was thirty four seventeen. It's not like the game hinged on this play or this this series of plays, but. Um, third and I believe it was third and 14 from the 18 yard line. Virginia had been driving well, got knocked back. I think Armstrong got sacked on second down and, and Virginia, the call was, and it actually worked out pretty well. A wide receiver screen, uh, Demick Sterling, uh, had some nice blocking upfield, got to the two yard line, except that the official said he went out of bounds at the five. Now you and I were looking at each other. 
Um, Cause we just assumed that it was a first down at the two, because that's where he went out of bounds. And we're in the press box. We don't have easy access to replay. Um, as it turned out, they spotted the ball. The official spotted the ball at the five. And Virginia, for some reason, you're and you're yelling. I mean, you know, you're saying, why aren't they why aren't they reviewing this? Well, it was because Des Kitchings thought also that it was first down. He said so after the game. He said, I thought it was first down. All indications, he said, all the information we had on the sidelines was it was first down. Well, actually, if you're on the side, see, we were in a press box. We didn't, we don't have the the yard marker, you know, the down marker right beside us. It didn't because it, it said four. When you go back and look at the replay, it's at four. Um, he calls quick. He wanted to do a quick play, you know, uh, basically line up uh, and and run a quick play and try to catch Louisville off guard. Well, what he did, he did not allow the replay official time to buzz down and say, fix that play. It was an obvious bad call. When you watch the replay, Sterling was nowhere near out of bounds until he got to the two-yard line. But because we ran the quick play, no chance for the replay got to buzz down. And, and we run the play. And we don't get the first down on fourth and one. And so, again, the game didn't hinge on that play. But if we score a touchdown on that drive, it's at least still interesting at 34-24. And that's because the offensive coordinator did not know what down it was. How does that guy not get benched for a half? Well, and, Chris, there's there are – we're in a press box, but just down to our right are, 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 are most of the assisting coaches, correct? Yes. I mean, not all the not all the assistants are down on the field, right? Right. And the reason you have some of them upstairs is twofold. One, you can see things a little better, correct? He plays better. Yeah. yeah. Two, um, you have them up there to to point out things like that, correct? Yeah. Supposedly, yeah. Yeah. Supposedly, so you know, it's a learn. You know, Coach Elliot came here from Clemson. He's never had, as you as you write, like to say, the big headsets on. Uh, but we thought he surrounded himself with pretty competent coaching staff. But right now, six games into the season, I'm not I'm not seeing a lot of evidence of that. And that's a great point that you that you just made because if if two guys sitting down a little further down the field like we are with you know with with sodas and 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 they're just sitting there covering the game. If we can pick those things out, then you got to think that that the assistant coaches are being paid a lot of money. Should have should have seen those things, and that 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 could have been a, a critical. Like I said, I don't you know, we don't know what would have happened, but we know we would have been a little better off first and goal from the two, right? Oh, if you get the, if you if you get first and goal to two, you get the touchdowns. Thirty four twenty four. There's still eight minutes left. There's still eight minutes. Defense gets a stop. You, you know the offense is rolling now. We're on, we got momentum. Maybe maybe things when it's thirty four seventeen, the offense gets one first down and it feels and, and, and I think the defense sort of waved the white flag. I mean because Louisville ran the clock out. Louisville ran the last eight eleven of the clock out from that point. So no, it's it's uh, there's there's a lot of mess there. And and you know Scott, you 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 talked uh, uh, just briefly a few couple minutes ago about the uh, the rest of the ACC, especially the coastal. Let's let's transition. We've been we've been. Um, I think we've thoroughly covered the uh, <laughs> the Tony Elliott anywhere. But you also write a weekly column for Augusta Free Press, uh, the weekly ACC football power rankings. Now, um, you know, the, the Atlantic continues to be dominant. My goodness, Florida State is four and two, two and two in the ACC, and they're fifth overall on that side. Um, the Coastal is, as you said, a mess, maybe except for Carolina. But um, uh, let's talk about those power rankings. I want to start in the Coastal. Um, Pitt. 
let's give them credit. They they were it was close for quite a while, but the Panthers, uh, after losing to Georgia Tech last week, eventually put away Virginia Tech and got a lot of yards out of let's see, Abana Conda. I, 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 I didn't listen to the game, so I don't. Yeah, I, I, I tried to get a pronunciation. I didn't think I'd ever have to pronounce it. It was hard enough spelling it. Um, Several times in your story, too. He had yeah. 320 yards and six touchdowns, including an 80 yarder, I believe it was. And so, I mean, credit to Tech for, for giving him a game, but also credit to Pitt for, you know, taking this, the, the punch in the mouth and, and winning that game. And you have them number one in the Coastal this week. I do, uh, just because they're the defense, as I pointed out in my story, I gave them the credit of being the defending champ, defending Coastal Division champs. Um, and, you know, Carolina is really breathing down their necks right now. But I want to we'll pick that up. Well, I want to say one thing, and you can correct me. I, I was reading a, today uh, a little bit more about the ACC moving forward, and I may have made a mistake in that article. And if I did, then again, this is a this is another example of the ACC tripping over its feet. I put in my story that this was the last year of division format. Yeah. And that they were moving to all one, one, one group next year. Yeah. I read today that that was not coming until 2024. I don't believe that's accurate. I think it's I hope accurate. not, because if that's the case, then what in the world is, is going on in Greensboro, soon to be Charlotte, that, 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 that they're going to let this divisional thing go another year because it's going to the two, the three best teams may very well be all from the um, uh, from the Atlantic Division this year. And Clemson, NC State, Clemson, Wake—they're not going to be able to play each other. Yeah, it, it is starting in twenty twenty three. So it is okay. So 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 my story was correct. Good. Yeah, um, yeah I, I gave Pitt the the, advantage, the benefit of the doubt. They're just barely holding on, uh, but Carolina is certainly. You know, Carolina has made a lot of strides defensively, and, and Mac Brown, giving credit, he brought in Gene Chizik. Yes. Uh, and he took a lot of heat the first couple of games because they couldn't stop the win. Uh, but Carolina's looking much better defensively. And as much as I hate to say it, uh, <laughs> you know, they're playing pretty darn well. Uh, and their uh, redshirt freshman quarterback may be the best quarterback in the conference right now what do you think oh yeah drake may is definitely and i, I the only I, I don't have a vote in this but i would have maybe put carolina one um pit two and you have miami three i would put georgia tech three um and, and only because for the last two weeks they've beaten pitt and duke um and so you know i know they got their coach fired two weeks ago but um you know that's how crazy the acc coastal is though that miami started the season i mean heck miami was what preseason 15 they're two and three now. They got a, a two touchdown loss to Middle Tennessee State at home. They're playing Tech, Virginia Tech this weekend. Um, I in saw Blacksburg. This, in Blacksburg. I saw the note from David Teal. He said Monday morning research. It'll be the first time. This will be the 40th meeting between Virginia Tech and Miami. First time ever in a series that both teams are under 500. Um, if you look at Miami and Florida State, um, both of those programs, they're they're still in a mess, Chris. Neither one of those programs. I don't care what the 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 the, the billing was a couple of weeks ago. And Miami's back. The U is back. Florida State's back. No, they're not. Uh, the I Florida State this- coach was uh, a deer in the headlights against uh, against uh, my, um, 
uh, Dave Dorian's Saturday night. Again, I, I would disagree with you on Florida State because at least they're competitive. You well, know, they're competitive, but they hadn't been watch, competitive. Did you until, watch the state NC uh, NC State Florida State game Saturday night? They lost nineteen seventeen to a, to a really good NC State team. But they were up seventeen three at half and were dominating state. The Wolfpack came out and made all the adjustments, and state just and Florida State looked like they just didn't have any answers. Um, and that, that was an NC State that's not a team that of lost a their quarterback. You know, O'Leary went down in the late third quarter with a shoulder injury. Couldn't but that's not a that's not a program in disarray though. That's a program that just needs a look. I mean, Miami Miami feels like. I mean, they came into this season kind of like Virginia, and, well, and better than Virginia. Um, they came in with a quarterback that, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, my God, everybody wanted to give him the Heisman, Heisman Trophy already. They had a new coach that are paying tons. I mean, we're paying $4.1 million to Elliott. Aren't they paying him $8 million down there? Um, yeah, uh, and he was below five hundred. Yeah, well, uh, 62 and 60 overall because he yeah, had a great – just barely season. above 500. Barely, barely above 500. Uh, and we're talking about Mary Cristobal for a uh, Miami alum who was at Oregon most recently. Um, but man, you know, you got to, and it's not like exactly, I mean, last year, Miami finished up. They were around, I think they were six and six last year. I think they were six and six last year. Um, it's not like a, kind of like Virginia. I mean, it's not like the cupboard was bare. Um, the thinking was, man, you just build around this quarterback. You get this new coach in here. And you know, that's why they were preseason favorites in the coastal. They're two and three now. Um, and not just a two, you know, not just two and three, but a loss to Middle Tennessee State. Now, um, you know, getting beat by Carolina is not. There's no sin in that, except that you preseason you would have picked them to win the game. So, Miami's in disarray. I think Florida State. They're not in great shape, but they're they're not the Florida State of old. But they're in better shape than they were. Yeah, I'll give you that. They're not. They're not quite as. You know, they're not quite as bad right now a situation as Miami is in but I put Miami Virginia Tech Virginia uh, those let's see my there's a Miami Virginia Tech Virginia Georgia Tech just because Georgia Tech's got a higher new AD and new coach but they're winning games but maybe those four programs are the ones that you got big question marks around but um Miami unfortunately for that fan base and that how much money they're paying Mario Cristobal they're in that mix and they're also in your year one of a new coach with a lot of plans for, um, you know, new stadium, yeah. things like that going on down there. So that's yeah. not – they're not exactly endearing themselves to the big donors. And I'm giving Virginia, I'm giving Brent Pry Virginia Tech a pass that, that some people want to give, I think unfairly or un- inaccurately uh, at, at Virginia want to give to Tony Elliott. Brent Pry Virginia Tech, he did inherit a bear cupboard. Um, he did not have a quarterback <laughs> – <laughs> Hendon Hooker is at Tennessee, which is number six in the country right now, putting up huge Heisman-like numbers. He should be the quarterback at Tech, but Fuente ran Justin Fuente ran him off. Um, Justin Fuente left him with no quarterback. He had to go out and find a quarterback. He got Marshall's quarterback, who led the the MAC conference in interceptions last year. Um, that's that was his best option at quarterback was a guy who led the MAC in ints last year. That's how that's how that's how tough things are at Tech right now. Um, I, I'm giving him a couple of years of leeway, uh, um, and uh, and they still they still draw sixty five thousand no matter how bad they are. Virginia can't get thirty thousand in Scott Stadium, um, uh, and and they're not they they might get thirty thousand combined for those last four home games, uh, <laughs> given how bad things are right now. But no, I'm giving Pry a pass because I mean you know Fuente Fuente ran that program into the ground, um, and 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 that's why he's gone. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, Pry, or, um, um, Brent Pry, is it Brent Pry? Brent Pry, yeah. Yeah, he, he inherited nothing. Uh, Coach Elliott got some pretty good talent on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but, again, you know, Tech has still got a strong fan base, and you give them a glimmer of hope. Like, you beat Miami, and yeah. their program all of a sudden can turn around on a dime. Well, their um, offense is struggling, though. So, Virginia, Virginia's offense is struggling because the coordinator doesn't know how to use the players. Tech's offense is struggling because I don't care. The coordinator doesn't have the players. He doesn't have the play. I don't care who the coordinator is. He doesn't have the players yet. Right, but um, they did score 29 points against Pitt. They did. They did. Pitt's given up a lot of points in general this year. We'll see how that – but Tech, Tech can tell that. They had scored 10 points back-to-back weeks, first time in, like, I think it was since 88 or 89. Um, early years of the Frank Beamer era. That's how long ago it had been since they scored 10 points in back-to-back games. Um, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're a work in progress or a, they're going to be a work in progress for a while. Hey, let's look over at the Atlantic. This is how good the Atlantic is. I, I mentioned FSU is fifth. Syracuse is ranked. They're five and zero, oh, and you got them fourth and that's accurate. I mean, you got Clemson, NC state, Wake Forest in that, in that division. Um, and as you mentioned, what a shame it is that we didn't go to the non-division uh, championship game earlier because you know Clemson, NC State, Clemson, Wake Forest, either one would be a great game in Charlotte. Instead, we're going to get Clemson versus whoever is hopefully we Clemson Carolina, maybe and whoever whoever is seven and five coming out of the of the coastal. It's, right. it's going to be it's going to not not be as good a game, but there there are some really good teams in the Atlantic Division and some really good coaches. So maybe that's the key. Good coaches uh, result in good key, uh, good teams. Uh, you know, Clemson, Davo Sweeney, uh, Dave Dorian, who, who, if you know, he continues to, to have state, you know, play as well as they are. Dave Dorian is a candidate to move somewhere. Um, he's been there. I think this is his tenth year. He might be a lifer there at this stage. He's, you know, he's endured. I mean, that, that's something for a guy that um, is is just now. Um, you know, starting to win some games. He's, he's, he's won 10. I think I lost Scott briefly there. So I'm going to wait for him to sign back on here, but, but yeah, Dave Doran's done a pretty good job there. Dave Clawson is the guy that, uh, you know, maybe he's aged out of, of advancing to, a, to his next job, but man, Dave, what a, what a great hire that was in Winston Salem. Um, Dave Doran has Wake Forest five and one uh, and one and one in the ACC that loss being the double overtime loss to Clemson. And we're waiting for Scott to jump back on here, but yeah, the the those those three teams. Clemson obviously number one in the uh, power ratings this week, just because they've won the games uh, now four and zero in the ACC. A uh, as Scott mentioned in his column, a ho hum thirty one three road win over Boston College on Saturday night, I believe that was up in Chestnut Hill. Uh, game was three three late in the second quarter, but Clemson pulled away because Clemson's Clemson. Um, and uh, and so yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where the the Atlantic is where things are in the ACC. The coastal, I think my, Carolina will eventually emerge uh, out of the coastal as your your coastal champion, and they might not be seven and five. They're five and one right now. They're two and zero in the ACC. Um, you know, they got a you know a bunch of games left in the ACC, but uh, I think that they'll uh, they'll emerge. They they might have eight or nine wins by the time this is over. And what a season that would be for this Carolina program after a couple of subpar seasons for Mac Brown and his group. It maybe is the case that Scott has lost power uh, at least on his computer. So. It might be time for me to wrap things up here on the show. Uh, and that happens sometimes, technical issues. We got through most of the important stuff anyway. 
uh, go to Augusta Free Press uh, on the, in the sports section right there on the front page. You can, either, you know, whatever on the mobile. Uh, let's see here. Just plug back in, he said. So maybe we'll maybe we'll not click off quite yet. Um, but yeah, you know, on the sports, uh, you can whether on the mobile, or on the desktop, um, on the front page, there's links to the most recent top sports stories. There's uh, you can go to the sports section, see some of the great stuff that hopefully great stuff that Scott and I are writing. Also, Scott Radcliffe, who covers the Pittsburgh Steelers for us. Roger Gonzalez does a little bit of college football, a little bit of NFL for us. Um, and uh, our sports staff hard at work and, um, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get you ready for, uh, you know, they'll tell you what happened on Saturday and Sunday. They'll get you ready for next Saturday and Sunday, as far as that kind of thing goes. I think I'm going to sign us off here after, after all that, I think Scott's, uh, nope, there he is. Okay. Let's, let's, okay. Let's give Scott a chance to jump back in here. And Scott is wait, Chris, Scott, I'm sorry. Scott is relocated. Um, yeah. No, I was uh, I was getting ready to, to to break things off there, but you're yeah. You the, the Atlantic is where things are. The coastal. Um, if I had to put my crystal ball, uh, I, and I just said this to the listeners, but I'll, so I'll repeat it so you can hear it and, and get your thoughts. I think Carolina is going to emerge at the end of this uh, and and be the the coastal champion. They still have six conference games left to go, but. You know, I, I, what I like what I've been seeing out of that, out of that program. Well, yeah, unfortunately, cause I'm not a Carolina fan, but um, you know, Mac Brown, we kind of thought, well, maybe the game's passed him on, but he's kind of got himself surrounded by some good quality coaches and the, the, the quarterback, you're only, you're, as, you're only as good as your quarterback. And, and this kid looks to be the real deal. So um, and I'm not sure where that North Carolina Pitt game is, but Pitt right now is would be the most formidable challenge to Carolina. Um, yeah, I look for Carolina to come out of the to to be the winner in that in that uh, division. So, um, but the talent, the, the the power lies over in the other division, and and I'm not sure why. Other than do you, I think that there's just better coaches over there. Uh, and, and you know things ebb and flow. Uh, Clemson's over there. That's one thing. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, the things ebb and flow. And um, you know it's certainly been ebbing in that direction for quite a while though in the ACC. But Scott, you prefaced your, your comments there about North Carolina saying you're not a North Carolina fan. If I did that uh, every time I talked about a team, I would have to say I don't like anybody, Scott, except for Virginia. Um, you know, I found myself watching the baseball playoffs, uh, especially the game last night, the game three, um, San Diego and New York. I wanted both teams to lose. Um, and and I want the Dodgers to lose. I mean, I don't I don't know if I like the Braves or the Phillies. I know I don't like the Phillies. I don't like anybody. I mean, if, if it's not like you're an Orioles fan in baseball, I'm a Nats fan. If it's not my team, I, I hate them all. So, um I don't know. That's that's probably better left unsaid. I hate everybody. I mean, there's 131 teams in college football in Division One uh, FBS. I hate the other 130. I hate them. I don't just dislike them. I hate them. You have anger. I wish, I wish them ill. <laughs> <laughs> you have anger issues, Chris. But I'm right with you. I don't. I don't like any of them either. Um, but but if, if you look at the, you know. The, the the Syracuse coach, I mean, he was on the hot seat. He at, at the beginning of this season, oh, I, I wrote that, that the coaches on the hot seat were um, um, Dino Babers uh, at Syracuse, 
Uh, Mac Brown, Mac Brown was there. The natives were getting restless down at Chapel Hill, right? They had another six and six season this year. He, he might've silently quit. Uh, and, and, but he's silently been told to quit. Um, and he would have been allowed to retire, but yeah, another, with all that great recruiting, a six and six season out of that. Yeah. He would have, he would have, he, he was certainly on the hot seat in that respect. Jeff Collins, obviously, cause he's already gone. Jeff Collins was so far was so much on the hot seat that he ended up, you know, they pulled the plug on that, but uh, um, you know, the, the good teams are generally led by good coach, good solid coaches and good quarterbacks. And, and that's, that's where the, that lies right now um, is in, is in that division. And I'm not sure if there's a quick fix other than over in, in the, uh, the division with, with the Virginia for tech. I mean, both of those coaches are not off to great starts. Uh, um, there's a lot of question marks in the ACC right now. Would you think that's a fair statement? Our four, the four teams we said we like, the three over in the Atlantic, uh, Clemson, Wake, and, and NC State with, um, you know, Clemson with Uyagalele, uh, Wake, and I, I can't believe I said that right the first time, uh, Wake with Hartman, um, NC State with Leary, and then North Carolina with Drake May. Four best quarterbacks in the league, four best teams. Um, so that's not a surprise. And the best, the best, the best coaches tend to find um, the best – find and develop the best quarterbacks. So, yeah, outside of those four, there's lots of questions. Um, and, uh, and not a lot of good answers in some cases, like the case of Virginia that we broke down in depth earlier in the podcast. <laughs> so if you had a crystal ball, you do have a crystal, but not a crystal ball. Um, what do you – best case, worst case scenario for Virginia football for the, remain, for the second half of this game? Best case, two more wins. Realistically, best case. Two more wins. I mean, from what we've seen, and I can't anticipate that the coaching staff will be able to – we're six games in. I think we've seen how this team will play. We'll see, we've seen how this offense will play. Um, we've, you know, the defense, special teams. But we didn't even talk about special teams and how, how – just what a, what a mess that is for Virginia. So – I mean, if they go two and four down the stretch, that's probably good. I mean, I, I, because I, I don't know, and I'm not being negative when I say this. It's, I, I'm, I'm being, I think I'm being realistic. I don't know that I see this team capable of winning another game the way it's going right now for this group, because not only from the X's and O's standpoint and from the execution standpoint, but it really feels like the players have given up for the season. I mean, we really felt that in the in the Louisville game. It was 10-0 Virginia early, a fumble on a drive when the team's getting ready to go up 17-0 perhaps. You know, they're in the red zone, fumble at the 18-yard line, and the team quit then. They were up 10 points and quit. And, you know, from, from that point on, the rest of the game, it was 34-7 Louisville. Virginia had, what, 170 yards of offense. Louisville had 464. From that fumble on, uh, that those were the stats. So – this team has quit on its coach, you know, I mean, you know, it, maybe in his case, he's whether they quit on him or he's running them off for combination of both, you know, clearly there needs to probably be 30 guys in a transfer portal because they're not going to play for him next year. If they come back, they're not going to try for him next year if they come back. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a long way of saying, I think at best two wins, but I, I would not be surprised to see this team go. zero and six down the stretch. What are your thoughts there? Well, 
they weren't that, but <laughs> you kind of took all the air out of my sail. I, I was thinking best case scenario is that the coaches decide to let the players play the way they've played their entire careers. And we figure some things out and we beat a Georgia tech team. That's very, that's beatable playing well now, but they, they, they're, they're beat. They're that game's winnable. Uh, uh, we have Carolina at home, which there could be as many Carolina fans in Scott stadium as there are Virginia fans. Um, I was thinking best case scenario, four and two. Can you bring me some of that airplane glue you're sniffing? Yeah. I mean, it's almost <laughs> empty, but they sell it at Walmart. Okay. Uh, uh, worst no, case, zero and six. Okay, we're, yeah. Worst case, zero and six. Yeah. And, and if you said, okay, but well, what's the greater likelihood? I'd say zero and six because I saw the same thing. How? What did? What tells me? What did I see to make me believe that this current team has quit? Is how easily they folded the tent on the Armstrong fumble. Yeah. Up to nothing. Up 10 nothing. Yeah, they were on the verge of making it a 17 nothing game. Sure. But what's the old saying? Crap happens. You're not supposed they, to you're not supposed to wave the white flag when you're winning the war. Exactly. And they were still ahead 10 to 0 and Pitt was still quarterback by Rudy. The kid looked like Rudy. At that point he had uh not completed a pass. He, he was negative 200 in his QB rating. They had, they, had, they had nine yards of offense. Their one first down didn't come until the next drive. And even that, they had to punt after their only first down, which came on a penalty. They, first three drives, not a first down on the offensive side. So We, it, we it, joked about it in the press box looking at our stats that we have provided for us. He was a negative 200, and he improved. His, his QB rating improved after throwing incompletions. He ended up with 270. He was like three of 13 uh, to start the game. He ended up with 275 yards in that game. But but that's that's what prompted our players to quit. Yeah, being being ahead 10 nothing and fumbling, and, and they waved the white flag. Yeah, that they, they that's the old saying. I mean, you know, I, actually, I did see a quote from from Elliot uh, to the effect of I'm I'm reminded of. Um, gosh, a, a guy that was sort of a mentor to me in a lot of ways, uh, the, the stepfather of, of my best friend from, from UVA, Jerry, uh, Jerry Whitaker, Jay Whitaker. Um, Robert Butcher was a member of the Board of Visitors for a while. He was a, just an old, old-time UVA football guy. And he would always say about UVA football, Chris, we just can't stand prosperity. <laughs> I believe I said that in the press box. <laughs> we, we can't, can't- we cannot stand prosperity. We, you and, know, we're up ten nothing, getting ready to make it seventeen nothing. We fumble and we give up. We give up. Um, and, and I've seen that so many times. And I think I may have made it. If I didn't comment it out loud, I'm sorry. I was thinking it out loud. I was thinking it. Uh, that could be the ball game. You, you did say that. You, you did say we. You, because you, you know, of course, I got to filter that out. Yeah, but I say a lot of things there. I, I got to because everything everything is negative to Scott, which is fine. I mean, because you know, usually I'm the positive guy. You would not believe that listening to this podcast for the last hour, but usually I'm the positive guy, and Scott's the one getting you know trying to, you know, I, I've got to keep him from jumping off the ledge. I got to keep him from leaving the arena to go talk to security guards, not watch the game. I'm not always successful at these things, 
Um, we were there together uh, for UMBC. Uh, we drove back that night, six hours, uh, in the middle of the night, and got lost in North Carolina on the way back. I mean, yeah, we we are, you know, we've been through the wars there as far as that goes. But man, no, no, they they gave they were up ten nothing, dominating the game, and 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 threw threw in the the towel ahead ten nothing. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Uh, neither have I, but I just sensed it. And, you know, I'm not saying I know more about football and Coach Elliott or any of his staff because I don't, but I know more about Virginia football because I've been there for 40 years. And what I do know is we have as much talent. Now, this is going to be – I know this is a question I was going to ask you off air. So, I want to just go ahead and, and say it on air and maybe risk making an idiot of myself. Offensively, this team is as talented as maybe back to some of the Matt Schaub teams. Would well, you, with, with receiver, not, not offensive line withstanding, but skill I'm players. talking about skill players. Oh, yeah, skill players. Oh, yeah, skill players, yeah. the quarter And the quarterback holds a school record. Uh, I think Dontavian Wicks holds a school record. Uh, Keaton Thompson is going to play in the NFL next year. He's he's not going to be ruined by this. He, I think Wicks and Armstrong probably have, but Liddell, Lavelle Davis will play in the NFL. Somebody he'll play he'll play for someone because whether at Virginia or for the next two years of wherever he goes, will capitalize on on his skill set. You you can't teach six seven with speed, right? Uh, and so. Um, no, yeah, and, and then actually the running backs this year, for the first time in a while, um, they actually have some running backs that can do some damage. Xavier Brown, the, the true freshman, um, I hope he's not one of the guys dissatisfied and, and hits, hits the transfer portal. He looks. He was good. the state player of the year in Kentucky. Yeah, I, I like that guy. He hits the whole hard. I mean, he's he's good. He actually does a decent job for a, especially a true freshman uh, with the blocking part of the game as a running back. So. Um, we haven't seen much of Cody Brown, the four-star transfer from Miami, but uh, you know they, they give you four stars for a reason coming out of high school. Um, no, there's there is more talent at the skill positions on offense. Yeah, the offensive line is what it is, um, but yeah, from a skill position standpoint, I, 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 you're probably right. I, I can't think. You know, I mean the 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 one the two offenses with Bryce Perkins um, didn't have as much talent at wide receiver. Um, you know, certainly we can write off the entirety of the, of the Mike London era. Um, and after Matt Schaub at UVA, Marcus Higgins was quarterback for one year, but um, he was a, a receiver and a pretty good one on the Matt Schaub offenses. So, yeah, you're talking almost 20 years now. I think you're exactly right. And, and currently, is this too far of an of a, of a exaggeration to say currently? Virginia's offense is the worst in the conference. Um, uh, you know, Boston College is, is pretty bad. Let me give me let me fill. Yeah, but Boston College has had a lot of has had some injuries. They, they, they're they're just now getting Jerkovic back to where he's reasonably healthy. Well, but um, you know, but let's see. Let me let me look at the actual. Let me look at the stats here. I'm pull them up real quick. As fast as my internet allows me to. So total offense. Oh man, uh, Virginia is seventh uh, is thirteenth in the ACC in scoring, and that's so that's interesting. Even below, um, let's see total offense, team stats, total offense. Uh, why is that not coming up there? Uh, total. There we go. In total offense, eleventh. The 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 teams that are below are Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Boston College. 
So, I mean, you know, and, I, you know, and Virginia Tech, uh, Virginia Tech doesn't have the players. Virginia Tech has nothing near the quality of players that, that we have right now. So I'm, I'm not excusing. Yeah. Yeah. But from, a, from a, from an expectations versus results standpoint, I mean, they're, they're 14th, <laughs> you know, th- there's no reason that this offense, which was third in the country last year, third in the country last year in total offense, not third in the ACC, third in the country, first in the ACC. Um, even with the offensive line issues, which were self-inflicted wounds by the new coaching staff. But even then, gosh, we're paying these guys a lot of money. You had eight months of scheme around that. Um, to coach them up, as they like to say, and then scheme around that. No, there's no reason for this offense to be 11th in the ACC in total offense and 13th in scoring. There's, there's absolutely no reason for that to be the case. Uh, in, my, in my column on Saturday, and it, and it took a long time to write it because I kept having to tone it down significantly. It's just a simple case of the coaching staff trying to put a – square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's a certain level of arrogance that, and it and may be arrogance, but I won't, I didn't go as far as to say that. Um, well, I don't, I don't mean that critically, I guess. I mean, I'm just using it descriptively. Well, we would use arrogance and I guess that a lot of people would say, but he's confident. He's confident that he has a plan. He has the blueprint to what will make Virginia successful, but I think what we're saying is what will make Virginia successful is win games. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the, and when I, I the, for me, the word arrogance comes in with, all right, I'm, I'm from Clemson and here's how we did it there. And it worked there and we'll make it work here. And that is great. I mean, down the line, when you recruit the kind of players that can run that system, well, then Hopefully, God, I, I I know we're over an hour into this now, and if you've stayed with us this long and listen, you know, especially those who, I mean, there's not many, but if, if you're on social media or you've, you know, you want to send an email and say, Chris Graham, you write all these mean articles about Tony Elliott. Why are you so mean to him? I want him to succeed because of what I said about 20 minutes ago, which is if he doesn't succeed, that means we got to hire somebody else, and it's going to take three or four more years for that guy to win games. And we're talking 2029 or 2030. And at that point, I'm getting old, man. I don't. I want to win football games now, much less twenty, you know, seven or eight years from now. So I want him to succeed. But what makes you succeed isn't, you know, I could if if he had noticed two or three weeks in, and after the Illinois game, you could have noticed this isn't clicking. Let's change things up a little bit here. Let's make adjustments. We talk about halftime adjustments. How about after game adjustments? Before game adjustments. Um. But to me, it takes a level of arrogance on the part of guys who say, no, it's going to work this way um, to not recognize that it's not working and, and not make those adjustments. So, you know, I want him to succeed. I, I just the, the part of me that sees the future such as that can be done does not see um, him ever having the chance to recruit his version of Trevor Lawrence for Virginia, you know, the kind of, the, the kind of guy who can fit into a system to play like Trevor Lawrence that Virginia can get into school. Um, a Deshaun Watson type guy to get into school at Virginia. Kelly Bryant, for that matter. Um, you know, the guy who was in between those two guys. I mean, you know, we're not going to get a Travis Etienne, but he the Travis Etienne type he can get for Virginia. I don't think he'll ever give himself the chance to recruit those kind of guys because this season is going to be such a disaster that – 
people are going to run fleeing from Virginia coaches when they come to their high schools to try to recruit them. And he's not going to have the chance to succeed, but it's going to be self-inflicted. That's what I see out of this. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I don't think there's any there's, – you'd be hard-pressed to find any two individuals that want to see him succeed more than we do. But at the same time, we understand what he has to do to put himself in that position – and I don't see where he's doing that yet because you can't – he doesn't have – he may have a four-year contract, but his window is not four years. Five-year contract. window is maybe maybe one year. Five-year contract, Scott. Five-year contract. Excuse me. Oh, my gosh. So – but his window is maybe one year, and he's half into that year with a disastrous start. And, um, you know, all we're, all we're saying is – Put yourself in a position to to make to give yourself a chance to 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 make that blueprint work. And so far, I don't see any evidence that that he's that he's done that or he's doing that. I'm going to get the remnants of that whatever's left of that airplane glue from Scott. I'm going to I'm going to hope for that four and two finish to 2022, which gets us to six and six, which will give us a sliver of momentum going into what well, it might make some of the guys who are unhappy in the locker room now less unhappy. They might not leave. A few of them might not leave. It might give us a little bit of bump in the ACC recruiting rankings, might get some more guys. Uh, maybe next year isn't as bad as we think. I mean, that's what it takes, though. If this season ends worst case, in both of our worst cases, man, oh, man. Um, man, oh, man. I mean, falls are not going to be fun for the next seven or eight years, not, ju- not just the Tony Elliott era, but thereafter as well. Yeah, and you said, you know, seven or eight years, you're going to be an old person. In seven or eight years, I'm able to be out blowing in the wind somewhere, literally <laughs> scattered. Uh, so, um, you know, the, and whoever gave $80 million is probably, you know, kind of thinking that maybe wasn't the best uh, way I could have spent 80 million bucks. Yeah. Those big checks that added up to $80 million. The, the folks there are, are maybe wishing they thought of that through a little bit more. Um, and you know, one thing, and I know we're running late, but here's the other, the, 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 the repercussions of a football program that's playing in front of 35,000 or more empty seats is the football program, not the basketball program, uh, the football program is the cash cow that feeds these other sports, including basketball. Yeah, yeah. And if that revenue is not there, then all of a sudden you're going to start seeing the results uh, at the, on the lacrosse field. You're going to start seeing – I mean, there's already talking. I have some friends that are very uh, much into UVA lacrosse, played there, have been part of that program – we're falling way behind in lacrosse because Clockner Stadium is becoming uh, a dinosaur of a facility in lacrosse and soccer. So that's and more schools are coming on board in lacrosse now. So yeah, not having the revenue stream for football is kind of akin to being a small market baseball team. If you yeah. don't have the revenue stream, how are you going to compete with the big boys? If you're, yeah, uh, Clockner opened in 94. I was, a, I'm a 94 grad, so I remember that. It opened uh, right the, the uh, summer after I graduated, so, uh, or the fall after I graduated. So, no, it's, 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 it's in need of uh, something. I mean, yeah, if, if, if this starts, I mean, 
it, it, you know, when you when you have that many empty seats, uh, you know, I, I did the math on this actually before the season started. Um, Virginia is is about ten million dollars a year behind in ticket sales compared to Virginia Tech and about fifteen to twenty million behind the likes of Clemson, Florida State, and Louisville. Um, overall, not just football, but overall ticket sales. But the bulk of that's football, obviously. If you're that far behind, I mean, you know, that's that's your peers are behind. Um, you know, you, you got to make up that revenue somewhere, or you you either find other sources of that revenue, or you cut cost. And cutting cost are is things like upgrading your soccer and lacrosse facilities. It's like it's the difference between um, you know road trips by bus or road trips by plane for some of your teams. It's the difference in recruiting budgets, and that could affect men's basketball. I mean, you know, what, what happens if if we're so far behind the, the eight ball from a revenue standpoint that Tony Bennett says, hey, man, we need to, you know, me and my, my staff and I, we need to get out and, and recruit some guys on the West Coast, and we need to, we need to plane uh, to get out there. And, and they tell you, sorry, Tony, we don't, have, we don't have enough money to put gas in the, in the, in the jet. I mean, <laughs> so these, these are potential realities. Um, this is this that's is how why it, when people say, "Well, is football is really that important at Virginia." Yes, it's that important because soccer, women's soccer, number one, number two team in the nation. Yeah, men's soccer won four or five national championships. Men's, men's lacrosse, golf, six or seven uh, national championships. Uh, baseball, yeah, football is football feeds all these sports, yeah. and if you don't have the revenue. If we keep playing in front of 25, I mean, they've been announcing the crowd 37, 38,000. You and I both know it's been far less than that. Now, that might, might, that means they, maybe they did sell the tickets, but that's it. They sold the tickets. They're not getting any revenue from concessions. It's why concession stands are closed at the end of the third quarter. Uh, They're losing their shirt uh, every Saturday when they play in front of an empty stadium. And it's going to eventually, trickle down and you're going to start seeing it. I have already heard about it of some of the other minor, uh, the non-revenue sports suffering a little bit in ways that I don't want to get into, but let's just say they're not keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to see more of that. And that's why uh, the AD Carla Williams has really got to keep in touch, keep, keep a finger on this football situation because uh, that's not something that's something that's going to, have major uh, repercussions all the way down the ladder. All the way down the ladder. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. Well, for our listeners out there, thank you for uh, staying with us. Uh, hopefully you're not too depressed now. Um, and, uh, you know, if you need. Well, I said four and two, Chris, six and six regular season. <laughs> well, um, including, uh, we'll include a link uh, on the website to um, the best sniffing glue that's on Amazon right now um airplane glue whatever you know i'll I'll try to give you some recommendations there uh and we'll get that four and two finish as a result of that hey uh for scott german i'm chris graham signing off thanks everybody and have a great week